0: So thrilled to see you've yet again walked through the doors of Oddsbodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper and today we have a curious little thing for you. It is a wooden statue, very odd in shape, very much a piece of folk art uh, from uh, some region in Spain, I'm guessing. The odd thing about this is the hollow recesses where cheekbones would be and the empty eye sockets. It's very reminiscent of tales told to frighten children and maybe even the faint of heart in the 19th century. This curious little wooden carved figure goes by a name called the Beast. And therein lies the subject of our episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's fire up the kinetoscope and take a look at the Netflix film, The Wasteland. Now, The Wasteland actually premiered in Spain back in October of 2021 and October is the perfect time of year to see this movie because it is full of some fright in spite of what uh, some of the naysayers might say but uh, it actually got its worldwide release thanks to Netflix here uh just uh, days ago actually and once I saw the trailer for The Wasteland I was excited to to see what this is all about now this is a Spanish film directed by David Casadamon and of course I watched it with the overdubbed voices in English and I have to say I've given some grief to some of the some of the films that have come out of South Korea uh, Squid Game, Hellbound, even the series I'm watching now Silent Sea some of the voice acting that they've used to to do the overdubs is lackluster <laughs> I, i've not been impressed with some of the the english overdubbing that they've done with some of those movies but this the english overdub is actually really good the acting is really good the voice actors that they got to do the english voices for these characters and the overdubbing was was really uh, above par in my estimation So uh, I I was very happy with that, to have some voice actors actually putting in a good performance that kind of matched the on-screen performance that we got from from some of these actors and actresses. Now, the movie takes place in what I'm guessing is the late 19th century, and I'm basing that purely on the fact of the revolvers that they use. It's not the cap-and-ball-style revolver of the the mid 1800s is a brass cartridge bullet, uh, which which came along a little later uh, in the in the 1800s. But that's purely a guess on my part. All we get is that this is taking place in the 19th century, and that there is some war going on in Spain at the time. Now this is too early for the Spanish Civil War, so uh, they're never really specific on what war this might be taking place in spain all we know is that there is war going on the the country is war torn people are fleeing civilization they're fleeing the cities to to isolate themselves to protect themselves from from being caught up in this war and that's where we find this family of lucia salvador and diego they're out in the middle of nowhere and and I've talked about this in other horror films that we've reviewed here on Oddsbodkin's Curiosity Shop about uh, using isolation. Isolation is uh, a great device used by filmmakers to make horror, because uh, when somebody is isolated, that just you know ratchets up the tension. There's nowhere for help. There's no one to run to. There's there's no one for the protagonist to rely on, lean on, or take up arms with to defeat the the creature or the bad guy or the ghost or, or what have you. And a lot of different directors use isolation in various ways. We were talking about No One Gets Out Alive, how they used uh, the main character, Ambar's, the fact that she's an illegal immigrant as a way to to isolate her from from everyone. Shows like Midnight Mass use the fact that this community, this small dying community is on an island as a way to isolate them. In Antlers, we we show they have long winding shots of of cars driving up uh, wooded roads as a way. Way to convey isolation but this these characters are very much literally isolated because it is nothing but their little hovel in the midst of this huge prairie we get some mountains in the background uh, off in the distance but th- there is nothing around except for these three characters mother father son and we start off seeing their everyday life what they do to survive the relationships between the, the father, Salvador, and his son, Diego, and the mother, Lucia, uh, and her son, Diego, and how their relationships differ. Uh, Salvador is a stern, manly man, rugged type. He wants to teach Diego how to survive, uh, the things he's going to need to know uh, to grow up, the skills he's going to need to know. Uh, One of the first things, he wants Diego to bash in a rabbit's head uh, so they can have dinner. But Diego, being a sensitive kid, I'm guessing he's what, probably like eight seven, eight years old in this. Uh, They don't really specify the age, but he's a young kid and he'd rather play with the rabbits and talk to the rabbits than than bash them in and uh, skin them for supper. And the mother, she wants him to remain young. And Diego, throughout this whole thing, there's this pull. Uh, the father wants him to grow up. The mother wants him to stay a child. And there are, you know, I've heard a lot of people say the, the main theme of this movie is about growing up. And and while that is a plot, I don't think that's the main focus of this movie, but we do see that pull uh, of the parents. You know, one wants the kid to grow up. The other wants the kid to remain a child. And, and I think that really embodies what the parents are all about. The father is, you know, he's, he's seen some stuff. He knows it's a cold, hard, cruel world out there. And that Diego better grow up quick and better learn to take care of himself because someday he's not going to be there. His mom's not going to be there. And, and the mother, she wants Diego to remain young because it reminds her of happier, simpler times. And nobody wants to see their child grow up and see the horrors of the world because she doesn't want to face the the horrors that are, are outside. She just wants to live in this little bubble and just pretend like all the, the war and the terror that's going on outside isn't happening and then you've got little diego being torn in the middle of this and he is like a lot of kids uh he was like me growing up uh didn't want to go outside in the dark was afraid of his own shadow um they set up a weird boundary around the house with these odd looking scarecrows they call them And that, you know, it probably was more practical looking scarecrows to keep things away from their garden. But the, the perimeter of this, this property is lined with these and, and they tell him and they teach him, don't go beyond this line of scarecrows because there's nothing but death out there beyond. And if you stay within here, you'll be safe. And that really adds to the One, the tension of the movie, because once things start getting real, you don't know if this was set up as just a metaphorical boundary against evil, or if maybe there is something really evil out there that this may be keeping, keeping out, keeping at bay. But we see how they spend their life. Uh, We see the, the everyday life of this family, and, and it doesn't take much to, to get to care about Diego uh, because we really do see this movie. This movie is through his eyes it may not be obvious at first but as you watch it i mean even even some of the early shots where diego's walking with his father the camera is down at his level we are seeing this world through diego's perspective in this movie but we see the fun aspects of life we see uh mother and son picking vegetables and and making things but we also get to see a a darker creepier side because they tell stories, ghost stories. She's telling Diego ghost stories by the fireside as they're carving these weird little uh, wooden figures. And then the dad kicks in with this ghost story of his own. It's a story of of his childhood when his sister, who it's revealed that she was severely beaten and abused by their parents... Um, she starts seeing this beast and she comes to Salvador and tells him she sees this beast and he he brushes her off and she keeps telling him that the, the beast is coming and and finally the beast is there and, and Salvador just keeps brushing her off until she eventually commits suicide by jumping out the window. And Salvador tells this story about there's this beast that walks the earth and it preys on people's weakness and fear and while you may not see the beast, it is there. And once you see the beast, then all the rest of your life is hopeless. And really, from that point on, I mean, that really sets up the terror because the the telling of the ghost stories is creepy enough. Uh, them carving these weird little wooden figures, uh, essentially toys for Diego to play with. But there's even a scene where, you know, he's trying to pull out his bedpan from under his bed and he's got these weird little figures, wooden figures on his dresser. And he's too afraid to get out from under the, the covers to, to go get his bedpan and ends up breaking it. But it's, it's these, this, these little touches, the, the ghost stories, these little wooden figures that they're carving, uh, just uh, add such a, a creepiness to it. But then when the father tells this story to his son that he already knows is afraid, and, and it really is, I mean, it's, it's a metaphor. The story he's telling is a metaphor. He's telling it as a metaphor for his child, maybe even his wife. Uh, but the, it's even a bigger metaphor overall for the movie, which we'll talk about later. But it just adds a level of tension that that's that's really where business picks up in the creepy, eerie department. And there's a ton of that in this movie. I mean, just some of the some of the scenes, like when uh, Salvador is walking Diego in the middle of the night to the outhouse, and like I said, you get uh, so this shot where it's it's down at Diego's level and he's looking up to see the the backlit dark silhouette of creepy dead trees and it's just it reminded me of when I was a child and and those sort of things the little hoots and hollers uh, off in the distance in the middle of the night owls or or whatever sort of animals might be lurking in the woods uh, those sort of things scared me and and I really could relate to Diego in this movie and they did a really good job of creating an atmosphere that was just unnerving and eerie and unsettling now the father ends up having to leave uh, they find this this wounded soldier floated down down a nearby stream in a boat they try to help him but he's uh you know he's he's pointing a gun at at Diego and Lucia and i've heard some people say he killed himself but i, I don't think he killed himself i think Uh, Salvador shot him from the doorway and probably one of the most gory, I mean, blew a hole right through the back of his skull, through his eye. It was, it was disgusting. Uh, So if you like a little gore, you get a little touch of that. But Salvador is going through his things, sees a picture of his family and decides that he wants to take this body back to its, his family uh, so they can, give him a proper burial, and so they'll know what happened to their father, uh, husband, son, what have you. And he leaves for what is only supposed to be uh, two days, and it turns out to be longer. Uh, weeks in fact because uh, we see this kind of montage of the passing of time and and they long, cut a little notch for every day he's gone and the longer he's gone the more Lucia the mother uh, she seems fine at first and the longer he's gone the more she, you can tell she's getting depressed and they finally break out of this montage uh, it's supposedly her birthday and she won't get out of bed and Diego's trying to get her to to come celebrate her birthday and that's I believe that's when she starts seeing the beast and we spend a a better part of the rest of this movie with Diego and his mother and her slowly turning to this madness where she sees the beast and she's she's constantly shooting at things that we never see if it's there or not we never we never see what she sees. Which leads you to wonder, is this all a figment of her imagination? Is this the depression of her husband uh, being gone for so long, quite possibly dead? Is this a madness setting in? Diego trying to snap her out. I noticed something in one of the scenes where she's kind of scratching her head, kind of scratching in a little spot on her and and I, I wondered if that meant something, but we even see later before when Diego starts seeing things, seeing the beast, that he starts scratching at him. And I, I figured that must have been some sort of signal that maybe he's starting to lose it a, a little, but Diego starts seeing things and we start getting uh, manifestations of this beast uh you know little movements uh through cracks in the windows and i i've heard a lot of reviewers and and critics talking about them being jump scares and not re- being very effective jump scares yeah there are some of these that are meant to be disturbing, but I don't think any of them are meant to be a jump scare per se. That's This isn't that kind of movie. This is more atmospheric. This is more psychological. This isn't Scream 5 with a bunch of jump scares and a boogeyman jumping out of the closet with a a knife. It's not that kind of movie. So I I don't think the the things we saw with the Beast were meant to be jump scares, only to be used as a, a, a way to enhance the and heighten the the tension and the bizarre factor of is this thing is this beast real or is it a figment of their imagination because there are some things you see and you're like it, it's got to be something real but then you're like but it could be a figment of their imagination as well and it all kind of reaches a crescendo and i'm not going to get into all the the nuts and bolts of, of how this plays out, because I want you to watch it. Uh, if you've watched it, you know what I'm talking about, uh, and you don't need me to rehash it. Uh, but uh, if you haven't watched it, there's a lot in, in here. And Diego is faced with a choice where he either mans up and does what's right. And, and a lot of people I've heard talking about this say that it was unnatural, that all of a sudden he became unafraid. I don't think. I think it came incrementally. I think it uh, started when he saved his mother and then kind of built from there. And that's how things happen in real life. People don't uh, flip the switch and change who they are in the heartbeat, but sometimes a decision has to be made and you either make the wrong decision and run, or you make the right decision and get your hands dirty and fight. And I think in the, in the instance where he saves his mother, I think that is the moment where he just went on instinct and, and did what he had to do to save her. And that kind of made him grow up real quick. And up to this point, we've never got a really good look at the beast. We've just got uh, shadows moving and, and things moving past windows and little, little glimpses, which I think was a, a brilliant way to do it. I always love when there's a, a creature or a, a monster in a movie and they don't just put it out in front of everyone. Uh, right off the bat and give you too much time to, to see all the flaws in it. <laughs> I like when, when it leaves things to the imagination, and especially in this case, uh, is the beast real? Is it a figment of their imagination? Uh, if you show it right off the bat, it kind of takes all the doubt away. And, and this movie very much is about whether this is real or not. And the beast does make an appearance. It's very wooden in nature, almost like a large manifestation of the wooden dolls. Yet when it moves across the screen, it, it very much floats across the screen, which there again leads you to believe uh, that this thing may not be real. It may still be a figment of a- imagination. Like I said, we're, we're seeing this movie. We're seeing everything that's happening through the perspective of Diego. And little kids uh, see things uh, more horrifying than they really are. Uh, kids have really good imaginations, but Diego confronts the beast and in a way defeats the beast by defeating his own fear and fighting back. And he takes his wounded mother out as he burns the place down. And it it seems burns this beast. And the end of the movie, we see Diego take his mother to the stream. Uh, she has died from her wounds and he lets her off in the stream as she sinks and floats away and and we see diego uh kind of walking off into the unknown uh determined uh is the best way i can describe it because he has grown up he's not afraid of the unknown anymore he's not afraid of what's beyond the the property line the the scarecrow Uh, border that they have around their house and that is a very big theme in this movie this kid growing up going from the mama's boy who was afraid to to go to the outhouse by himself uh, afraid to cross the the property line past these scarecrows Afraid to to shoot the shotgun that his father gave him for his birthday to a little man who is you know f- fighting to save his mother, fighting to to keep her safe and, and to protect her, to be the man of the house since his father was gone and and we presume dead by the time it's all said and done, but we don't ever really know. He has defeated his fear and has has grown up, and th- and those are two big obvious themes, uh, facing your fear, uh, growing up. I've heard this called a, a coming-of-age story, I suppose, in a, a bizarre way. Uh, it is a, a little bit of a coming-of-age story. But I think more so than anything, this story is a, a metaphor for mental health. The beast is madness. The beast is uh, maybe maybe depression. I don't know whether uh, depression or madness is the more apropos analogy as Salvador tells his story about his sister and the beast and how it preys on the weak and the fearful and how it's invisible, but it's always there. His sister was abused and, and probably very depressed. And once she started seeing things, and, you know, quite literally, once you start seeing things and you let the madness in, as he said, the, the rest of your life is hopeless. Now he's saying this from the perspective of uh, his sister his sister succumbed to the madness and the depression and killed herself. So to him, that is hopeless. But I think on the flip side, Diego was starting to see this, this beast. That's it. Like I said, you know, once, once uh, the mother started seeing the beast, she started scratching herself in a very peculiar way, like on the head. And once Diego started seeing this beast, I believe he started doing the same thing. So we, we have to ascertain that, He was starting to succumb to this madness because he started seeing the beast but instead of succumbing to the the depression and succumbing to the sorrow of his his dad being gone quite possibly dead his mother is is going out of her mind he fought back he fought against the the sorrow he fought against the depression he fought against the madness he quite literally fought the the metaphorical figure of madness in this beast and came out the other side so his father said that once you saw the beast all hope was lost essentially and and diego this little kid defeated his fear defeated the madness defeated the sorrow the depression and showed that that there is hope although it doesn't feel like it at the end it is a very bleak ending and it doesn't feel very hopeful uh like i said you know diego's wandering off into the unknown uh, a small child in this wasteland and it doesn't feel very hopeful it doesn't feel like a happy ending but if i if i think about it the more i think about it uh i, I think it does uh, at least in the, the big theme of mental health uh, i think it does leave leave uh, a bit of hope for anyone going through that as opposed to what uh, Diego's father might think. So all in all, I really like this movie. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, and I think a lot of people, I think that's why they're uh, not as high on this movie, because I think it was built as being a bit of a creature feature and a little more supernatural. And it just wasn't that kind of movie. But, you know, if you go into any movie, you got to go into it with a bit of an open, open mind and not what your preconceived notions are, From just watching the trailer because (laughs) you're going to be you're going to be disappointed every time if you just go by what's in the trailer because sometimes the trailers uh, throw a lot of red herring out there that make you think the movie is going to be one thing and it is not that at all and and i think this was that to a degree was there a, a bit of a creature in it yes But it wasn't your stereotypical creature and a creature feature. And like I said, there's a lot left to the imagination as to whether this beast was real or a figment of their imaginations. It's never really determined and never really spoken out loud what it truly was. That's left up to you. But anyone going into this thinking this was going to be some sort of creature feature was probably terribly disappointed when it was all said and done. Uh, Also, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, this isn't horror. This is a psychological thriller and uh, and it's not horror to me. Well, I, I beg to differ. Uh, one, I don't think it was a psychological thriller. This didn't have uh, Liam Neeson uh, running through the streets of some big European city or anything like that. That to me is a thriller. This definitely was psychological horror because there was horror. There was elements of, of terror. There were chilling elements. There was eerie atmosphere. There was a lot going on that definitely made this a horror film just because there wasn't a ton of blood and guts and And, you know, the whole cast getting slashed or anything like that Uh, doesn't mean it's not horror, but it very much was horror of the psychological variety because this definitely was a psychological uh, character driven story, very much in the vein of a lot of folk horror. In some regards, it felt very much like the witch in other regards, maybe even a tiny bit like the devil's backbone. Uh, I really got little notes of that. I don't know whether it was the little kid, uh, the fact that it set you know, kind of in a, a Spanish setting. Uh, the, the color palette, I mean this this movie was in a lot of browns and green, very earthy greens and earthy golds. And then every once in a while you get a pop of red here, the, the mother's red dress. Father had like a, a scarf or something red kind of peeking out of his his coat as he's riding off on his horse. Blood from the the rabbits when they're when they're killing and skinning them. Uh, you'd get little flashes of color to kind of break up the monotony of all these uh, earthy tones, and it was just it kind of had that. That look, kind of like Devil's Backbone, felt for me, and I've—it's been a long time since I've watched that, so I may be totally off, but that's how I remember it. Kind of those those golds and, and an earthy color palette to that movie, and I—I'll say the the cinematography in this was just uh, stunning. There were there were some really beautiful shots. There were also some very frightening shots. Some of the shots with the scarecrow, like picket line around this house were terrifying. Some of the shots of the trees at night when when they're going to the outhouse uh, were were some terrifyingly uh, effective shots but a lot of the shots on this this vast prairie surrounded by these mountains were just a beautiful landscape and a beautifully shot movie. I thought it was I thought it was directed really well. You know, there were some points where it felt a little slow. The one montage sequence felt like it went on a little long. And when they're setting up the fact that the mother is is going crazy from depression. Some of that seemed to go on a little long, but not to the point where I didn't enjoy the movie, and not to the point where I was sitting there watching my uh, phone to see how much longer this was. This movie was going to be. Uh, there were there were some flaws, certainly. There's flaws in almost any movie, but it wasn't anything that took me out of the movie, and it certainly didn't make what I did like about the movie, unenjoyable. So if you like good, psychological, character-driven horror, kind of horror that leaves you guessing, leaves you wondering what you just saw, that's beautifully shot, then this is definitely a movie you need to watch. So uh, I encourage everyone to check it out on Netflix, the movie called The Wasteland. I I think if you go into it with the right mindset, an open mindset with no preconceived notions about what you think this movie is going to be or supposed to be, I think you'll come out enjoying it. Uh, when it's all said and done. So I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to my thoughts on Netflix, The Wasteland. Check out our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook. We've got, there's tons of stuff coming out right now. We're getting lots of trailers for things coming out uh, later this winter, Uh, so I'm always posting trailers to some of the movies and some of the tv shows and series that are coming out as soon as they're uh, available I'll always an articles on some of the things coming up and some of the things i think uh, you'll find interesting in the world of horror fantasy and science fiction and check out odds bodkins curiosity shop on facebook to find out what we're going to be talking about next because we've got another episode coming up on monday so i'll be on the lookout for that and like i said go to the facebook page to find out to what we're going to be talking about about then well thank everyone for listening please wherever you're listening to this podcast uh, please subscribe download it uh, share it with your family and friends and neighbors uh, share it with grandma you know she loves a little horror fantasy and sci-fi also leave a review five stars would be awesome but whatever review you give us uh, we certainly appreciate that and thank you so until next time